This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy, show editor and mixer here at the Conquering Columbus podcast. This time around, Mike sat down with Angie Lloyd, the executive director of the Ohio Access to Justice Foundation. During the show, Mike and Angie chat about what the foundation does to help carry out their core mission and discuss why it is that Angie herself still carries a small caseload. So part of what we at the foundation do is ask, in addition to funding civil legal services, which are nonprofit law firms who provide critical legal services to low-income Ohioans to address their non-criminal problems. In addition to funding those services, we ask all lawyers in Ohio to do pro bono work. Since I'm asking all the lawyers in Ohio to do that, I continue to keep a small pro bono caseload. Next, they discuss what the foundation is doing to overcome the stigma associated with being a lawyer. It's a a special challenge to represent that lawyers are doing good, that lawyers are really important, and that they are helping people because I think there are so many assumptions built in. The system we live in is very complicated. So we spend a lot of time at the foundation trying to educate and promote. It benefits all of us to get these legal situations resolved. Angie also spoke about how the foundation funds a legal division that works specifically with community groups. There's a particularly historically under-resourced area of West Dayton, Food Desert, a group came together called Co-op Dayton, said what we want is a grocery store in our neighborhood that employs people in our neighborhood and brings fresh food to our neighborhood. In March of 2020, Gem City Market opened. It's amazing. These folks now not only have food in their neighborhood, but that group has now created a business incubator. It's so That's exciting. incredible. We really hope you're enjoying the holidays. Now let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike. And today, well, just your host. We're here. I'm flying solo today. Josh and Tim out of the office, but uh, really excited to be having a special guest joining us today, Angie Lloyd. And Angie is the executive director of the Ohio Access to Justice Foundation, founded in 1994 as the Ohio Legal Assistance Foundation and located here in Columbus, is a statewide nonprofit organization committed to ensuring that civil legal aid is available to all low-income Ohioans. The foundation's board is composed of appointees from the Ohio Supreme Court, the executive branch, and the legislative branch of leadership, and leaders from bar associations, law schools, and community leaders from around the state. Really excited to have Angie here to talk about everything that's going on with their team and what the foundation does exactly. So welcome to Conquering Columbus, Angie. Mike, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to come down to the offices here and do this interview on a Thursday night. But one of the first places we like to start is just get a little background on yourself, your life, kind of how you ended up where you're at today and any of the big highlights for you along the way. So I'll let you take it away. Oh, thank you so much. I think um, I've had a little bit of a wandering life, which has been wonderful. I have lived in many of the major cities of the U.S. I had the privilege of being in the U.S. Peace Corps and served in Kenya. I went to law school in New York. And later when we wanted to settle down a little bit, we were drawn to Columbus by Ohio State. So it's just been an amazing journey. And Ohio's just been a wonderful place to live for the last 17 years. Yeah. What was the Peace Corps like? The Peace Corps is fantastic. It is a real opportunity. And I think that the volunteers themselves probably get as much or more than the folks you're working with. Mm -hmm. I was an English teacher in rural Kenya, and it was an amazing opportunity to meet and share, truly share a life with people who, although they may have less material goods, 
our people. And so it was just incredible to be part of a tiny village and community. I laugh a lot of times. We all take for granted we can go to the grocery store. And the Mm -hmm. first couple of weeks when I was at my village, I had a real panic that I was not going to be able to eat because there was no store. And finally, one of the older village ladies came and literally came and knocked on my door one morning at 630. And I was up and took me by the hand and walked me down. And the little two shacks that I had only seen shuttered actually were open from 6.30 to 8. <laughs> I was like, I bought all the food and went back to my house. It's wonderful. People are people. Yeah. Well, that's good that you were able to figure out how to buy food. Otherwise, this conversation might have been difficult. But uh, so you go from the Peace Corps. What did you do after the Peace Corps? You came back to law school, right? Yes. So what made you want to study law? Two things. I had an experience in the Peace Corps where I learned that the U.S. rights to free speech and free press were not honored everywhere. Our school published a newspaper that inadvertently published a banned article. And so in my little bitty rural village, there were suddenly people investigating our little school newspaper. And I thought, oh, I wish I had a lawyer. I wish I were a lawyer. (laughs) And then when I came back and was going to graduate, I did a joint um, MA and JD. I had the opportunity to work in Hong Kong with a group called Australian Lawyers for Refugees. And working with the refugee population and the Australian lawyers realized just the incredible difference a one-on-one lawyer can make in someone's life. And so came back and and decided to do that here in the U.S. So did you study international law then or... What was your what was your area of focus? So law school is a wonderful professional school that lets you sort of do it all. Okay. So yes, I studied a lot of international law, but you aren't really a lawyer unless you know the sort of basics of all the laws. All the laws. That's I mean, why law school sounds tough. I wouldn't want to do it. That's not for me. <laughs> I would be probably just fall over sleeping every time I went to study the book. But uh, not, not at all. It's not just all. not not my area of expertise. And but, all the expert lawyers in Columbus are cringing as they listen to me say that, as they're mm-hmm. all like, "No, no, I am an expert in one area of law," space. and they are right, right. But you know, they have. I, I totally get like as you get experience over time in a specific area. So that I just never knew that you know you studied everything and then you chose. You mm-hmm. So you choose an area after you get done with law school. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of like a, almost like a medical doctor, right? Like where absolutely you know, they have to know everything, but you know, a little bit of stuff. So, okay. Well, from there, I guess kind of the next place to go is, so how long did you practice law for? I'm actually still practicing. So okay. I guess I've, I guess I've been practicing for 25 years or mm-hmm. so, 27 years. So part of what we at the foundation do is ask, in addition to funding civil legal services, which are nonprofit law firms who provide critical legal services to low-income Ohioans to address their non-criminal problems. So if they have housing issues, if they're being evicted, if Mm -hmm. they have an inability to access medical care, if they need to clear their record, their driving record or their criminal record, those kinds of things. In addition to funding those services, we ask all lawyers in Ohio to do pro bono work, Mm -hmm. which means to take one or two or six cases for free and to help people. So since I'm asking all the lawyers in Ohio to do that, I continue to keep a small pro bono caseload. Okay. And so it sounds like I don't know why, but I, so I'm all I can think of is suits. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the show suits, but I know that I'm aware that the actual processes that go on in suits probably a little off, but they had that little community clinic that Mm -hmm. took on cases from people in the community and was funded by 
Well, I guess in the show, nope, spoilers, never mind. I'm not getting into spoilers here. For anybody who hasn't watched Suits, go watch it. But that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Like the community clinics that take on cases free of charge for community members or for maybe a portion of the win. If there's if they win the case, they take a small portion of that in some cases or no. So yes and no. So very good and great analogy. And yes, those small community clinics happen all around the state of Ohio all the time, both through our legal aids and through things like we actually fund something called the Justice Bus, which drive the Ohio Justice Bus, which drives around and does local clinics. And yes, folks from the community come and they get their cases handled and managed and advice and hopefully have great success as a result. The one thing that's a little different from what you said is when cases actually have the opportunity to generate some sort of fee, mm-hmm. legal aid doesn't take those cases because lawyers who are working for money can take those cases and can then take their fee and give the client the remainder of the settlement. Mm-hmm. Again, legal aid is handling those really challenging life changing cases that really don't have any money attached. Got it. For okay. the most part. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess we kind of skipped over a piece here because now we're talking about the foundation, but we didn't <laughs> talk about how you ended up joining the foundation. So let's let's take that step back. Well, again, that was just a lucky, I was a clinical professor at OSU Moritz College of Law Mm -hmm. and some folks reached out. I had been working with both the um, Columbus Bar Association, uh, managing a pro bono program for them. I had had history back when I was in New York and New Jersey, actually working with the foundation that is the Ohio equivalent, that is the New York and New Jersey equivalent of the foundation I now run. And so some folks reached out and said, you know, instead of teaching one student at a time, would you like to maybe manage this office that is funding all of these folks? And who doesn't want to be a funder? Mm -hmm. I went from being a litigator where people would see me walking down the hall and turn around. And now that I'm a funder, it turns out I'm funny. People (laughs) want to talk to me. (laughs) They have time. It's excellent. I can see just talking to you now why you'd find success in that (laughs) particular field. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So what does the team look like? I mean, when they ask you to come in and take it on, how big is the foundation? How many people are we talking about here? And what do the day-to-day operations look like for the foundation? So the foundation, I think, is a really wonderful little funny fish of an organization, a nonprofit organization. So we have a general counsel who's critically important and at making things work and making sure everything happens the way it should. We have two staff members. We are lucky enough to have actually a statutory funding source, which means that when lawyers are holding interest on trust accounts, that interest, because it's too small to actually be paid to a client because Mm -hmm. it would not actually make interest if you just had a client's $50 by the time the bank took all their money. So that interest income and then the court filing fee income, we have two staff members who do nothing but work on balancing, managing, communicating with banks and courts so that our income comes in, is correct, and can be used to fund critical civil legal services. We've got a pro bono director We've got a program and grants council who is then assessing, working with, crafting grant opportunities for our civil legal aids. Um, And then we've got communications folks who are helping us make sure folks know what we're doing and that 
how amazing the work is, how transformative it, transformative it is for Ohio families. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, that team of communicators and people that are helping you get the word out, we've got Jennifer here with us in the room. From there, I, I guess one of the places I want to talk about. So the, the statutory funding, right? Outside of the statutory funding, I'm guessing you guys have other avenues of funding as well. Well, and I, I actually left off a critically important person who leads me back to statutory funding. We have a legislative liaison who okay. helps us work with the Ohio legislature. And both thanks to her and really thanks to the incredible support. And I cannot say this strongly enough of the legislature, the governor, the various executive agencies and the Supreme Court. We have just... Ohio should be really proud. We have a state government, truly a state government that's committed to not just justice, but growing justice. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've been very lucky. The Supreme Court gives us a grant. We've got those two statutory sources. We recently got an amendment that allows us to utilize something called attorney unclaimed funds mm -hmm. to help support legal services. So we just feel really lucky that there's so much support in the state for growing this work. Definitely. And so you mentioned grants and structuring how you give those grants out. How do you select which clinics and who should get this funding? Because, you know, that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges with any funding focused nonprofit is, OK, we've got this money. How do we get it to the right people who are going to have the biggest impact? Absolutely. And there are two answers to that. One is we have in Ohio a number of well-established, amazing civil legal service providers. So I'm all about Ohio being proud because we should be and Ohioans have every right to be. So in Ohio, we have two of the country's oldest civil legal service providers. Legal Aid Society of Cleveland and Legal Aid of Greater Cincinnati were the fifth and the eighth legal service providers in the country, both of them being over 100 years old. Cleveland, in huh. fact, today just celebrated 116 years. Wow. So they've been around. So for the purposes of general funding for general legal services, it's pretty easy because we've got these big, wonderful organizations. Here in Columbus, it's the Legal Aid Society of Columbus. Southeast Ohio is Southeastern Ohio Legal Services. Up in the Northwest, it's Legal Aid of Western Ohio and Advocates for Basic Legal Equality. And Northeast is Cleveland and then Community Legal Aid in the Akron, Canton, Youngstown area. So that's wonderful. Then we have some more discretionary dollars where we are identifying specific need or ways that we can more significantly impact the need for legal services. Those are discretionary grants that we make available to legal service organizations, depending on if they can provide the services to meet the need. Right. And then there's something else that we should probably talk about, which is, you know, for many people who are not lawyers, number one, number two, haven't had to deal with the legal system very much, right? You might be thinking, well, wait, don't I get a court appointed lawyer? Why do I need legal aid to get a lawyer? But we're specifically talking about civil law here, right? So I'm assuming it, that that is not the case for civil law. I think you might want to think about law school. Me? Right? <laughs> oh, wow. Man. You got it right there. Yeah. The U.S. Constitution has been interpreted to say that if your liberty is at risk, if you can go to jail, the state has to provide an attorney for you if you cannot afford one. However, the cases that the civil legal aid lawyers do are not cases with people going to jail. Again, if you're being evicted from your house, you have no right to a state-appointed counsel. If the state of Ohio comes in and threatens to take away your children, there's actually no constitutional right. Ohio has a statutory right and they do get counsel. Sorry, bad example. Good job, Ohio. But they're out there. Yeah, go Ohio. Once again, <laughs> be proud. But if, for example, just your ex-spouse is trying to do something to your children, mm -hmm. there's no right to counsel. 
if the bank is foreclosing on your home, you have no right to counsel. If you have lost your driver's license and you owe thousands of dollars in court fees and fines and you have no way to get yourself legal and stable, you have no right to counsel. So those kinds of things that can be, again, life-changing, you're on your own. And and the legal system is complicated. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard for people. Especially civil court. I've never, like criminal court, I get. And I like when I follow along, if I'm seeing a case, it's like, okay, this all adds up and makes sense. But civil court sometimes seems like it's a judge sitting there going, well, this makes sense. So you get money. Like, I know there's a lot more to it than that, but it, it, uh, civil court has always confused me somewhat, especially, you know, things like double jeopardy, not making like, you well, know what I mean? That's mostly like, criminal. Right. That is yeah. criminal. But yeah. like the fact that like you can get prosecuted a criminal case, but then you can get the same case brought to you in civil court and have a different ruling. Just don't add up in my head. Well, and I would say one of the things we find is that many of the legal issues that are actually making it hard for people to live their fullest, best life, Mm -hmm. they don't even recognize as legal issues. And so I'd, I'd love to give you two examples. So if you drive around Columbus or Cleveland or pick any city in Ohio, and you might happen to see a kind of rundown neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. And you think, Oh, why, you know, why do those people not just go get a home loan and fix that house? So what we know is that a lot of families and often it's low income families, a grandparent, a great uncle will have bought a house. That person will have passed away. And now a nephew, a son, a grandson is living in the house. But they didn't understand that there was actually a legal obligation to transfer the house to that subsequent generation. You can't get a home loan if you don't own the house. Mm -hmm. And when you show up to the registrar's office and say, hey, I need to own this house. They don't just say, sure, right? (laughs) we'll help you own the house. There's a whole legal process you have to go through. And so, you know, people get intimidated and and for them, it's about economics. It's about, they want to take care of their home. They want to be able to do it, but you need a lawyer to help you do the deed, literally do the deed um, to get <laughs> no the deed, intended. no pun intended, to get it transferred. And so that's an, that's an example. It's not just that it's confusing, it's that people don't recognize that that's a legal issue. Right. Or the other thing that that's another example like that is sometimes people will have landlords who don't repair something or they'll have electricity that doesn't work or they'll mm-hmm. have a dishwasher that leaks and they don't understand that they actually have legal rights against those landlords. And so they just sort of give up and sometimes move out or do something, you know. And so, so much of it is not just that the system itself is complicated, but that low income folks actually have more legal problems, not because they did anything wrong, because the things that should in theory automatically happen just don't. Outside of just providing funding, is there anything else that the foundation is doing outside of just providing funding and grants? Like, I think we talked about a few of those things, but I want to kind of go a little deeper there and say, hey, what other avenues and what other ways is the foundation supporting the community? Well, what we try to do is we try to be a voice and a promotion of what is actually an issue and Mm -hmm. and to help people understand, you know, (laughs) it's a special challenge to represent that lawyers are doing good. 
Mm-hmm. That lawyers are really important. We, in fact, want more of them and that they are helping people because I think there are so many assumptions built in that if you have a legal problem, you did something wrong or that that's somehow some flaw on your part. And that's not the case. The system we live in is very complicated. So we spend a lot of time at the foundation trying to educate people and to promote the work so that folks understand it benefits all of us to get these legal situations resolved. Shout out to the Conquering Columbus designated business lawyer, Kwame Christian. Kwame, if you're listening, I don't know where you are, but uh, we appreciate you. And I don't even know if Kwame is doing any more law work still. I think he is, but he also runs another podcast and he's uh, on negotiation and he's very, very well known for that. So uh, if you guys out there listening, want to listen to another podcast, highly recommend Kwame's podcast on negotiation, the American Negotiation Institute. Go check it out. We'll give Kwame a free shout out here since we're talking about lawyers. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. You guys provided over $20 million in grants in 2020, and I'm guessing 2021 has probably been on a similar scale. It, it, when I was looking at the kind of the trend over the years, it seems like you guys have been able to maintain a pretty high level of grant giving. So what, what's 2021 been like and have things changed with COVID? Yes. Two points I want to make, or three, I guess, if you include the COVID point. Things were, because we have a statutory funding source that is the interest on trust accounts and a civil filing fee add-on, 2020 actually was an appalling year for us Mm -hmm. directly as a result. So as you can imagine, well, if anyone remembers, out of the blue as a result of the coronavirus, the Fed met on a Saturday and dropped interest rates to zero. So our interest income was decimated. Then our other main source of income, the filing fees, nobody was going to court and filing anything because nobody was leaving their house. So there was a period where we were losing a million dollars a month in funding. We're very appreciative. The DeWine administration has made an $8 million award to us to replace that lost income, which means I can very happily say, yes, this year is going to look the same in grant making, which is critical Mm because what we've also seen is through coronavirus, the need shot through the roof. Um, Everybody's seeing the stories about the eviction issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one message I would like to get out about that is there is money available. Go talk to your community agencies and get that money for your rent. The second thing I want to say is, and it's a combination of the funding and the question about what else we do in the community, we're very excited. And while coronavirus put a small tweak in this, it's been resumed and it's wonderful. The foundation started some innovative funding back in 2015. So traditionally, and when people think about civil legal aid, they think about eviction and finance. And historically, civil legal aid doesn't do a lot of transactional work, like your Mm -hmm. attorney, Kwame. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do, they don't do contracts. They don't do what we funded and have been very intentionally funding over the last five years is something called community economic development work. And so we're funding specific divisions at our legal aids who are working not with individuals, but with community groups. Mm -hmm. And they're working with those community groups to develop what that community group wants to do. So two super fun examples 
in West Dayton. There's a particularly historically under-resourced area of West Dayton. It is mostly a black neighborhood. Food Desert, a group came together called Co-op Dayton, Mm -hmm. said what we want is a grocery store in our neighborhood that employs people in our neighborhood and brings fresh food to our neighborhood. Our legal aid, ABLE, in that area served as the lawyer for Co-op Dayton. So they didn't represent one person, they didn't do an eviction. And that started back in 2015. In March of 2020, Gem City Market opened. And it's amazing. I mean, this community, it was two buses, two hours. These folks now not only have food in their neighborhood, but they are working there. I mean, it's 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 incredible. Mm-hmm. And that group has now created a business incubator in the neighborhood. That's awesome. It's so That's exciting. Incredible. I think what people don't realize is like all of the, even just to start this podcast, all of the paperwork we had to file. And I never would have been like, I, Kwame, I was like, Kwame, help me, man. How do I do this? And, you know, and like that costs money. It does. It costs, you want to start a business. It's going to cost you, it does. you know, at least, at least if you're lucky, a few hundred bucks in legal fees from a lawyer. If not more. Oh, more right? than that. Drastically more, right? <laughs> we, I mean, really like Concord Columbus was really simple. We right. filed an LLC. I took care of that. And then Kwame drew up the operating agreement and we were off. Right. But like a podcast is a very simple business and, you know, but there's all these kinds of things you have to think about. And you're probably talking thousands of dollars in legal fees to get it up and running, if you're, especially if you're going to be selling food. Oh, tens of thousands. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it's makes it's a big barrier to entry to start a business or do anything you want to do. So, I mean, that's that's exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And you're, I can't help myself only. It's so many small things. Mm-hmm. Conquering Columbus, you have to check and make sure nobody owns that name. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there are everything from that to, again, owning a grocery store, employment agreements. You have to register with the Office of Unemployment, whomever at mm-hmm. Ohio. I don't. If you're going to employ yeah, people, yeah. If you're going to employ people. We don't people, employ right? anybody. We're all owners of the podcast. <laughs> right. So that we didn't have to. Yeah, I didn't even think about employing people. Yeah, no, and- it's a huge, huge, huge project. And, and what's amazing is watching these community groups own it. Mm-hmm. right? They love it and they are so excited and it is really making an impact in these communities because it's empowering people in a way. I'm Think about how you, I mean, you guys should be. Look at how this has grown mm-hmm. and, and what it started from and what Conquering Columbus means now and who knows you. And I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, right? Like we were lucky that we had plenty of opportunity. We knew the right people and- you know, and when, like we said, right, you're you're in a low-income community that doesn't have access to a lot of these resources, it can be very difficult. So that's awesome. I'm, it, it, I'm it's just, so fun. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredible. And I'll have to, uh, I'll have to look up the story. The other thing, so uh, when you say in a low-income neighborhood, you may not, so, so many times what people do, because this is human nature and we know it's true across everything, is the first folks people go to are the people they know. Mm-hmm. One of the things you may have seen in the world is the legal profession is not the world's most diverse profession. Right. And so the other thing, since we are the state's access to justice entity, has been looking into that diversity, both mm-hmm. in terms of who needs service and who's in the profession. And we're also very excited because one of the other things we're doing, and this is our third year, is funding students of color, law Mm -hmm. students of color, to work at legal services organizations in the summer. So a lot of law students of color need to have summer jobs that pay. Right. And nonprofit legal aid organizations historically didn't pay. Mm -hmm. And so being able to create paid opportunities 
for that public interest work not just potentially helps, and I hope it does help with diversity in the profession, but it also lets those folks really serve community members. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's incredible. We've had just wonderful responses yeah. from the students themselves. And obviously it's wonderful. We try really hard to partner with the law schools and law students and obviously the courts and the legislature. And so it's just been a real win for everyone. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. What do you see here in the next 35 years? Where do you, are you guys looking out that far? Do you have plans out that far for where you want to go? Yeah, I mean, our focus right now, we're in the middle of a strategic plan, is to focus more on diversity, equity, and inclusion, as mm-hmm. so many folks are doing. And within the legal profession and legal services, there are so many issues that we need to think about and be reflective on and then take, hopefully, positive action. Uh, we are very excited. We're going to be holding some regional meetings around the state in the next year and then hope to do some grant making and some work to to really try to both, again, improve the profession and try to leverage the dollars we're giving in grants to be impactful in our communities of color in the legal needs they have and that they can use to achieve greater things. So we're really optimistic about that. We are Super optimistic. Again, we just have had so much great collaboration with state government and have additional hopes about other funding sources and other opportunities in which by providing legal services to a broader range of low-income Ohioans, we think we can actually help you know, make it better for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. That we can really make a difference. There's there's a chance we might be able to do some help with keeping kids out of foster care. There's a chance we might be able to gain some funding to help in the juvenile justice system. I mean, we're really, we're really excited about the possibilities that are out there and about our new and expanded mission. We've just talked actually with the governor's office about trying to find a way to help some of the Afghan parolees who are coming into the state so there's just a lot of tremendous opportunity and and hope for continuing to grow services and grow justice. Great. And Angie, I think uh, that's a good place to kind of head towards our last question of the show here. And it is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? I think it applies in a number of ways. And I think it is a wonderful theme. And I think in part because of coronavirus, my sense of living uncomfortably is people have to get out into the world, be in the world. I think it's too easy for too many people to live in their part of the world and it's really comfortable there. And if you just have dinner with a refugee family or 
take the person who cleans your office at night to lunch or talk to the grocery clerk. I don't know. There are so many ways that you will grow as a person. And so, you know, I remember when I went in the Peace Corps or when I flew off to Hong Kong and I was really uncomfortable. I did not know what was going to come next, but I am a I think a better person for it. Mm-hmm. And you gain so much by being in the world. And especially if I may, as we're all coming out of this coronavirus mess that has caused people to sort of climb in their shell and be super safe, like the world isn't safe. The world's exciting and vibrant and challenges are opportunities. And we all need to get out and be in the world. Couldn't agree more, Angie. And thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Before I let you go, though, if our listeners want to help support the foundation, how can they do that? Where should they go? So we have a wonderful website, thanks to Jennifer and all of our wonderful staff. And on that website, there's a big old donate button. And I would really encourage folks, it's that time of year for giving. Please go to www.ohiojusticefoundation.org. And give those dollars go 100% to the legal services organizations that we are supporting. We do not keep any for administrative funding at all, and they make people's lives better. So please give. And this should be out before the end of the year. So get those 2021 donations in before you got to pay taxes. If you're going to give anything, this is a good place to give to. So Angie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that interview, you want to hear more, just like them, go ahead hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. Your support really does help keep the show going. We appreciate all of you. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week.